Hello, 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 everybody. This is the Witter Writers Show. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's a beautiful, beautiful Monday morning, and I hope everybody had a very happy Thanksgiving and a special little gift for you today because I'm here with Timothy J. Smith. Hello, Tim. Hello, Beth. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Tim, did you have a great week? I did. I happened to be uh, in Florida uh, for my mother-in-law's Thanksgiving this year. She's 97 years old and oh. it was just all family. And given that we haven't been able to get together for a couple of years, it was really quite wonderful. Oh, that is lovely. It's been tough, isn't it? With, with the whole COVID situation, it's nice that people can finally actually connect physically and get together yes. for, for Thanksgiving. I think it's been been greatly missed. But I have been so excited to be interviewing you, Tim, because I've got to say, you are one of my most interesting guests ever. <laughs> I write fiction. <laughs> it's all lies. <laughs> but your the, your history is 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 absolutely amazing. It is truly, truly amazing. I, the more I read about you, the more fascinated I was because you've lived the most remarkable life. Um, and it started when you was a child, didn't it? Because you you travelled a lot with your you, with your family. Well, we did travel a lot in the U.S., and I developed a, a travel bug that just took me internationally. I I um, had an interesting experience at one point when I was in sixth grade. If I can tell a little story, it was a spaghetti dinner at my elementary school to raise some money, and I sat across the table from a guy that must have been he was really old. He must have been thirty years old, and um, I, he, we got talking, he said he'd been to 40 countries and spoke five languages. And on the spot, I decided that's the life I want to live. And so I sort of pursued that. That is absolutely amazing. I, I, tell, I admire anybody who can speak more than one language, let alone five. My, my husband calls me Dory because I've got the worst memory ever. And I've desperately tried to learn other languages and I just cannot retain it. No figure. And yet other things I can remember like that. It is yeah. it's bizarre. We've already got people um, jumping on and saying hello. Um, I can see lots of people joining us, which is fantastic. So welcome, welcome, everybody. Please say hello in the comments. And if you do have a question for Tim, then please pop them in the comments and we will put them on the screen for you. So we've got Peggy who's joined us. She says Hello. Hello. And we've also got the fantastic Heather. Um, she says, hello to you both from Gemma and I. And Gemma says, happy Thanksgiving. Oh, Gemma is the cutest little girl, Tim, ever. And she's <laughs> an avid reader, so clever. Um, and and she, jo she joins Heather to watch the show every week. She is absolutely wonderful. So welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so oh, and another one as well. There we go. There we go. We've got Bo. And um, says, hey, Timothy, look, great looking you are. Oh, hey, bro. <laughs> I know him. <laughs> that is so lovely. We've also got James, who's joined us. He says, greetings, all in one. Um, and Peggy says, Tim, nice to meet you. Where have, where is, oh, where has your favorite place that you've been? Or what is your favorite place that you've been? Well, I, I, I think just by the fact that I've spent so much time there, I'd have to say Greece. My first job after college was in Greece. I had this incredible opportunity to live on in on Santorini, which is now the most 
popular island in the country, but I was there from 1972 to 1974. And there were times each winter that I was there that I was the only foreigner on the island. So I've had this love affair with Greece since the early 70s. And I have been going back uh, not every year, but actually for the last 15 years, I've actually gone back each spring. I've had a chance oh, wow. to do that. So oh, I'd have to say Greece. I, I, do you know what? I don't blame you because I had my first experience of Santorini uh, about three years ago, and it was just stunning. I mean, beautiful it's place, incredible. beautiful people. I mean, they're so welcoming and friendly and just warm. I, I can understand why you fell in love with it. I really, really can. Um, Peggy says, wonderful. Thank you. Sounds like a dream come true. Yeah, I bet it was. I bet it was. We've also got Robert who's joined us. He says, hi, Tim, from snowy Toronto. Oh, thermals, thermals and boots. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be me soon because I've just recently moved to the, the, the San Gabriel man, Mountains. And um, touch wood, we've not had no snow yet. So we've been able to do lots of work on the cabin, but it's coming. Thank you, Gabriel Mountains in California. Yes, we're now living in the middle of the national forest. Up is that uh, down south? It's um, it's it's in the San Bernardino Valley. Yeah, I I, I grew up in Palm Springs. That's my hometown. Oh, well, we're not far from Mountain High um, Ski Resort. Uh -huh. Not skiing because I have a, as my viewers know, I have a habit of breaking ankles, so I won't be I won't be doing that. But. <laughs> But back to you, Tim, because honestly, I'm so fascinated with your life because you haven't always been an author. You had the most amazing career. Um, and you actually you're actually part of history. So tell us a little bit about your career before you became an author and then what led you on to deciding to do a completely different career change. Well, I um, I knew what I wanted to do even before I left high school. I developed for different reasons of sort of a social consciousness. I grew up in the 60s and during the civil rights movement, and those things really affected me. And so I pursued a career that would uh, let me help people, basically. And, and fortunately, in a sense, I was there working during the war on poverty and working with when Jimmy Carter and Lyndon Johnson were both in office, particularly Jim, Jimmy Carter, worked with with his in his administration, not in his administration, with people in his administration to do some pretty significant work in the United States, and then eventually moved on to doing international work, and I ended up working in 33 countries, uh, and um, working fairly on some sort of fairly significant projects. I uh, was a minister to the first first minister of finance of the solidarity government in, in Poland for a couple of years. I worked on introducing a housing finance system to the country for the first time in its history. And I went on to uh, manage the first U.S. government's project as part of the Middle East peace process to help Palestinian businesses, which was an amazing experience for me in a, in a lot of levels. And one level is that I always tell people, and it's true that I really grew up a Zionist. I'm not Jewish, but I grew up really supporting Israel and um, not, you know, boycotting Arab products and stuff like that. And then fast forward 30 years, and I'm helping Palestinians as part of the peace process. And there's a big story there for me in terms of reconciliation. That's why I actually quit 
working was to basically write my first novel, which is called A Vision of Angels, which t tells a story of four different families and uh, Israeli war hero, a Palestinian farmer, an Arab grocer, and an American journalist, and how their lives are interwoven even without knowing it uh, because of a terrorist event. And it's so it's a book about about the real story there that I saw and came to under, understand after uh, a, a lifetime of thinking about it. So it was it, it was an interesting journey. The whole my whole life has been kind of an interesting journey like that. It really, really has. And and I have to say the reviews for your book it, um, it is just amazing. I mean, I was reading the blurb for A Vision of Angels and the, the description was so captivating. And the reviews were just brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Um, I think it's wonderful that not only have you been a part of history and, and changing things for the better for, for so many people, um, but also that you 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 know you felt compelled to use that inspiration to write such an amazing novel as well. And you haven't really looked back since, have you? Because you've got a vision of angels, um, Cooper's Promise, and then most recently the fourth courier and fire on the island. Um, and I know you've got a couple of books with you right now. So could we have a look at the cover for the fourth courier? Sure. I'll put it right there. That's the fourth yeah. career. Look at that. And all the reviews, everybody's going to have to check out your books because the reviews are great. <laughs> and your most recent one, which is Fire on the Island. Now, this one's set in Greece, isn't it? Yes, it is. Look at it's, that. Fantastic. It, it's really my homage to Greece. I, after 50, 40 or 50 years of knowing the country well, I really want to tell, tell the story of, uh, at a key point in, in Greece's history. It, it went through the same financial crisis that the West did in about 2008, but then the refugee crisis started with tens of thousands of refugees appearing on the shores of the island that um, my partner and I have been going to now for 15 years, and we were deeply engaged in, in helping for two or three years there. There were 500,000 refugees that arrived on the beach next to our little village in a one-year period. So Wow. We were very, very actively involved in trying to find assistance for them and stuff. But no, once I wrote A Vision of Angels, I, I never looked back because I was excited about writing. And I used my writing to really deal with things that concern me. I have, you know, I mentioned sort of the social consciousness that sort of drives me. And I try to deal with subjects that I want to illuminate for people. I, um, like Cooper's Promise is a story about human trafficking. Uh, Vision of Angels is the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. The Fourth Courier is really Poland at the end of the Cold War. So it's set in, I guess, probably 1992, I think exactly is when it is. Um, I'd have to look at, look at that myself. But uh, I wanted to capture what it was like for an average Polish family to be going through such a wrenching period of what, it, you know, this change from communism to capitalism and, you uh, you know, the possibility of uh, some real serious problems with sm smuggling, like nuclear smuggling, which was a real, real problem at the time. That's what this, that's what the fourth courier book is basically. That's the, the suspenseful side of the story. I always write something that's sort of suspenseful, but it's really character driven at the same time. So, yeah, read the fourth courier, you get to understand what a Polish family was going through back in those years. And, the, and then, Fire on the Island is wanting to tell the story of 
of a Greek village that's sort of being balanced between a national economic crisis, a refugee crisis, the kind of conflicts that are in the village already and where they, where they come from. So uh, it's really, it's a, it's, a, it's a lighter book than most of my books in the sense that it's set in Greece and Greece is a lighter country. So yeah. uh, it's a lot of fun to, it's a lot of fun to write that book. It's, it's just fantastic. I love the fact that you've used um, so much of your life experience to, to, to use that as your inspiration for your work, but also to use real life situations that are going on. I mean, obviously, you know, there's human trafficking is, is still so bad, uh, um, you know, oh. and it's not lessening at all, especially not with borders being open and everything else. It's just made it the whole thing worse. Um, but, you know, you write about real life. You write about real people, the LGBTQ community, um, refugees, people who have genuine life struggles, and you tell their stories. That must give you an amazing sense of pride to, to, to showcase, um, you know, people's real life dilemmas in such a, an eloquent way. Well, thanks. I, I I don't know if I take so much pride in it as I just am so uh, glad I have a chance to do this and that I've had the experiences that have given me the you know the information and knowledge to do this and meet the, and meet these people in very intimate ways. When you know my my work was really helping people generally in the field of economic development in terms of microfinance or small businesses or in other cases where I was helping put together a national finance system so people could borrow money to buy houses. And in all those cases, I was always working with people. So I was in people's homes. I was getting to know people well. And I usually was in places, I write about places almost always that I've have spent really significant amount of time, a couple of years. So I can, you know, I have a real sense of, 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 of people, personality and the culture. And, and I'm, I'm grateful I've had a chance to do that. Um, yeah. I have those experiences. I think that's why your reviews are so amazing, Tim, because it really comes across, you know, the, the richness of your stories because you have lived there, you've been there, you've experienced that, you've seen others experience these situations. And, you know, it it when you read your, your novels, it's very easy to just submerge yourself into, into the whole whole environment that you've created. And it's just amazing. It must be so heartwarming when you get messages and comments from some people who have read your books and go, wow, it was like I was there, you know, well, and all the emotions that that, that that brings. Yeah, although sometimes I get I get other kind of messages. I mean, for I tend to have um, FBI characters in a couple of my books. For instance, in Fire on the Island, uh, the, the basic story is that there's been a, there's an arsonist on, on this island and there have been 11 fires set, each one coming closer to a village. And the idea, it, the, the thought is that the village is actually threatened. And in this village is a Coast Guard station that's helping to rescue refugees with a fuel tank. So if you're going to burn down the village, you're going to try to attack this fuel tank. Right. The FBI agent who's sent down from Athens, who's posted in Athens, is sent down to actually investigate this and try to stop the Coast Guard station from being put out of business because the role of the Coast Guard is so important in rescuing the refugees. Well, I get comments like, why would an FBI agent be on an island in Greece? 
You know, I mean, don't you know the FBI works in America? Well, actually, the FBI has agents posted in about 60 countries around the world. Yeah. Um, they're, and they're posted in countries that have problems with refugees, drug trafficking, human trafficking, and a couple other serious problems that make it worthwhile for America to try to solve the problems offshore a little bit. So so I get I get zinged for saying there's an FBI agent. What, what somebody thinks there's not, but there is. You know, yeah. I, met, I worked with the FBI agents in, or, or interviewed and met with, in uh, Brussels, uh, Warsaw, and in Athens. So I know they're there. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And do you know what? I, I have to say, I've got a comment from Robert, and Robert says, um, I've read three of your novels, and they are hugely credible. Oh and convincing so there we go so so thank that, you robert <laughs> that, that says it all really 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 does and peggy says peggy says i can't wait to read fire on the island oh that is so cool thank you and, I hope uh, you like it. and she also says thank you for all you do along with others oh that is lovely it's it's absolutely amazing now you're a very multi-talented man tim because not only do you write amazing novels, but you also write screenplays, um, stage plays as well. And between all three of those writing areas, you've won amazing awards. Yeah. You're nominated for, for so many as well. I mean, you've got the Paris Prize for Fiction um, and you won um, the prestigious Stanley Drama Award as well for your play, How High the Moon. That's amazing. So, I mean, where do you get your inspiration from to write novels and screenplays and stage plays? Well, I started out writing a novel because I was so moved by my experience in living in Jerusalem and working with the Palestinians and Israelis as part of the peace process and wanting to tell that story. So I, I, I was finishing up that novel when I took a short work work uh, workshop at the Fine Arts Work Center in Provincetown, Massachusetts, which is a very fine place, by the way, for anybody wanting to do any sort of short-term writing courses during the summer. And I was going to take a course in creative nonfiction with Sebastian Junger, who wrote The Perfect Storm. He had just sold the film rights to The Perfect Storm. And I asked if he was going to write the screenplay. And he said, no, that's not how the business worked. He would have nothing to do with it. And I thought, you know, I have spent the last two years, three years, pouring my heart and soul into this book called A Vision of Angels. And if I if I ever had the rights to the film be sold, I would want to have at least enough knowledge about screenwriting to have some sort of artistic input into that. So I went out and started taking screenwriting classes. And that's what made me then begin to, to write both novels and screenplays. And actually, the screenplays become my last editing tool for the novel. Um, they're very useful to, to, you know, novels can get kind of squishy and big and and kind of a lot of stuff you don't necessarily have to have. And one of the ways why I make my novels really move very quickly is I tend to ultimately see them in scenes. And the, the screen, a screenplay is really focuses you on the through story. What's the real, real, what's the real story? What's the real drama in this? Yeah. And it makes you really work hard on dialogue. And those things really pop for my readers. And I like that. The stage plays, um, I just always, have always loved the theater. Uh, if I had 
actually stayed in America, I probably would have uh, really tried to break into the theater world just because I, I love the I love the theater. But shortly after I wrote to How High the Moon, uh, we moved to France for different reasons. And there's, you know, when you're living in a country where there's no English theater to speak of, uh, it's hard to stay stay a playwright. So I decided to continue writing novels and stuff. So that's that's how it all happened. That's just amazing. I, how hard was it to go from writing novels to to, to screenwriting? I mean, crikey, because it completely works differently, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Timing and everything else. Yeah, I, it's hard to really cut down. You have to now when I'm writing a novel, I'm actually also thinking about you know how necessary is is this exactly right here? I mean, of course. It's nice to write a novel and have a little bit more space, and I take that space, but it's got it gets me just really focused on on the story without a lot of a lot of backstory. You learn in screenwriting that you know um, flashbacks are nice, but try to avoid them. That kind of stuff because people rely on them a lot, and and uh, if you rely on that, you're you're telling, you're not showing the story. And I try to keep those that rule in my mind all the time, even when I'm working on a novel. I don't want to tell too much i wanted to really be part of coming out of the character out of what the dialogue says out of what out of what action is taking place yeah yeah i totally get you it's, it's amazing i th i commend you uh, for turning your hand to different styles of writing i think it's absolutely amazing and i i always say to the viewers you know knowledge is power and the more you learn you know the better we we the better we get which is which is fantastic um We've got a comment here from Viola. She says, a vision of angels is one that I reread and it still brings me to tears. Love you, Tim. Oh, <laughs> can't beat recommendations like that. You really, really can't. No, yeah, um, no. <laughs> and just so all our viewers know, all of um, Tim's links are attached to this video, to this live stream. Um, so you can, after the show, go straight to the links attached to the video and you can go straight to Tim's Amazon, Goodreads, website, etc. They're all there. And make sure when you do read them, please leave a review because it's so important. It um, is. I, I, I should say that A Vision of Angels may be a little hard to find now. Uh, there are some copies of, of Cooper's Promise around, but uh, the publisher uh, and I've had a little bit of a Head, butting heads over something, so it, it, they're not exactly available. Uh, the Fourth Courier and Fire on the Island are readily available, and um, and there's also an audio audiobook of Cooper's Promise that came out earlier this year, which is actually excellent, and it is available through Audible. Wow. So, um, and it's I have listened to a few audio audiobooks, not a lot, but I think that the actor who did the Cooper's Promise audiobook was was really brilliant. Um, oh, brilliant. That, that's that's available and but Fire on the Island and the Fourth Courier, you can get them instantly. Fantastic. So everybody, if you want to read a vision of angels and the earlier wax, um just sign up to Tim's website because I'm sure there will be updates um as to when and where they'll be available to you. So that's fantastic. Um we've also got Josephine she's just joined us. She says hello sorry I'm late. She's well, you a, missed everything. She's a busy <laughs> lady. She's a busy. She's all right. She'll. She. She's in the UK, so she, it's late for her too. Bless her. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but, 
but she'll catch up on the on the uh, on the video. That's great. Um, for those of you who've just joined us, if you've got any questions for Tim or you'd like to say hello, please pop them in the comments. We are streaming live on Facebook and YouTube, so don't forget to like and subscribe. <clears throat> Excuse me, so you get notified of all our upcoming shows, including our Christmas special that's coming up. Now, you are signed with Trident Media Group, and obviously, I I do interview um, and do shows with with Mark Gottlieb on a regular basis. Um, they're a fantastic company, aren't they? Yes, they are. How I... important has it been for you to have that level of professionalism and level of support and everything that it's given you? I think that um, it's very, very important to have an agent um, who really likes your work and is and 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 really helps. Um, it's very difficult to 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 break into the publishing world in any significant way without an agent. Uh, it, it, that's it's too bad in a way, but there's just so much competition uh, with the indie 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 writers and stuff that. Um, the agent is sort of the gatekeeper that's telling the publisher, okay, I reviewed this, I've read this, um, this is this is worthwhile. And I think Mark Gottlieb, who is my agent actually, um, is terrific. And the whole agency has been very, it's very useful to have a really good agency. So, but there are a lot of agents out there and there are a lot of agencies out there. So don't just keep trying. Um, if I can give a, a kind of a hint to how to do that a little bit, uh, there's something called Publishers Marketplace. Yes. And on a weekly basis, they put out two or three um, special reports on 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 the deals that have been made. And it used to be $25 a month to subscribe to that. That's what I subscribe to. Uh, I, I that's how I found out about agencies that I would never have known about uh, otherwise. And you you see the deals, and you think. Oh, well, if they're interested in this book, this is possibly an agency that'd be interested in my book. It may not be the, the exact agent. Um, you, uh, you may be somebody else in that agency, but I found that a very useful tool for writers to who have who are ready, who have yeah. a book ready to go, uh, to be able to find out about different agencies. So I highly recommend it. That's how I learned about Trident Media Group and and the you know and which has been great. Yeah, and Publishers Marketplace is a wealth of knowledge as well. You know, it, it, it tells you everything about agents, publishers, yes. as you said, new deals. Um, also tells you um, about new agents um, that are with the, the, the top publishing companies. But it also, as you said, all the people and companies that are on Publishers Marketplace are legitimate. Yeah, right. They, they don't have any vanity presses or you know, publishers that are going to, you know, rip you off. They are all legitimate, established, professional publishers and agents, aren't they? So, and that makes a big difference. And if I could add one more thing, because, it, you know, often people or writers are asked, well, who, who, who's writing? Are, are you, is yours writing like, and okay, so who's their agent? And, and people say, oh, it's always in their book. Well, it's not always in the book. In Publishers Marketplace, you can actually track down agents by author and by book, um, and you can see who agents have represented and how frequently they, they, they've done things. So it's a really good tool in this whole process of trying to find an agent. I'm not sure afterwards for a writer, 
uh, if it still re remains, I think it's more of a publisher's um, tool for different yeah. reasons. But in terms of finding an agent, I found it very, very valuable. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I use that one and, and Query Tracker. Both both are very, very useful. Um, we've got a comment from Elizabeth. She's joined us. Hello, Elizabeth. She says, hello, Tim. So glad I just finished Fire on the Island, which I loved. Enjoying this appearance and hearing about your process and other insights about your work and the publishing world, etc. Thank you for hosting him, Beth. Oh, thank you, Elizabeth. She's so lovely. You are so welcome. To be honest with you, Elizabeth, I was so excited to have Tim on the show because he's so <laughs> fascinating. It's awesome. Now, Tim, I mean, you, you've written, I mean, let's just, just go over a little bit about the type of characters that you have. You know, with your novels that you've written so far, you've got Polish cops, Greek fishermen, mercenaries, arms dealers, FBI agents, and wannabe terrorists. Wow. How much research do you have to do for your books? It must be mind-blowing. Um, well, all the people I've met, I, I, I've met without particularly doing any research. They just kind of, I, they came into my lives in different ways and uh, they were, I met them through either doing projects or uh, whatever. But um, I do a fair amount of research. Some of it's pretty interesting. Um, I will tell you a couple of stories. Uh, when I decided to write The Fourth Courier, which it, the story is basically a, 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 nuclear, a Russian nuclear scientist has, has gone missing with a portable atomic bomb. And um, this was goes back to the early 1993 in, in Poland when I was there. And there was a lot of fear of the nuclear material coming out of coming out of Russia. And the border between Russia and Poland was rather porous in the sense that it wasn't very well controlled. Um, and I had a particularly interesting event. I was actually in Latvia. I was, uh, you'll find this sort of an amusing story, but I was actually helping to design the, a, a business program for Peace Corps volunteers. In the course of that, I was I met with a decommissioned Russian general who was a very unhappy man living in Latvia, who let it be known during a formal meeting that he had some control over the nuclear arsenal in Latvia or had had some control over it. So after the meeting, he said to me, uh, let's go talk someplace where where, where nobody can hear us. And so he led me way out into this forest. I got to a point where I was thinking, what's going on here? It's sort of a strange thing. <laughs> but he wanted to get away from microphones and stuff. And so he finally stopped and turned to me and said, I can get you anything you want. And I said, I don't understand. What do you mean by that? And he said, atomic. He was actually offering me atomic material, I guess. I, I, I didn't pursue it, obviously. But that's what gave birth to the fourth courier was that just that little kernel of a story of somebody that that willing to sell to sell that kind of stuff. So when I decided to write the fourth courier, I decided if I'm going to write about a portable atomic bomb, I need to know how an atomic bomb is made. You know what what are the what are the main components? So I literally did, I literally called the Department of Energy. This is before 9/11, so yeah. security was a lot less than it is. I literally called the Department of Energy and explained to them that I was a writer and I wanted to learn how to build an atomic bomb. And I was passed through three or four administrative assistants until 
my call got to some young guy who was very excited about the knowledge he had and suggested we meet that Saturday at Costas's coffee shop in Rockville, Maryland. And he brought along designs of simple atomic bombs. I mean, that's the kind of research I did. Can you believe that? It's great. Oh though. my gosh. I must admit, I mean, they must have checked you out first. I thought, oh, it's okay. He's worked with. I don't think so. Actually, I think the guy was just, and I, and this was before internet. So I couldn't go on internet no, and find no. out this information. It's so we actually started talking in line, ordering our coffee, and he's flipping through this file, showing me stuff. <laughs> it was great. I mean, it was all very, you know, you know, it was just interesting that it happened. And on for the same uh, for the same book, I was dealing with an FBI agent as a character, main character, and so I actually um, kn knew somebody who was uh, an assistant to Janet Reno and said i'd like to learn a little bit more about how fbi agents are trained and stuff and again i got a private tour of the training grounds in quantico for the fbi so mm -hmm. these are this, this stuff happened a few years ago before before 9 11 when things really closed up but those are some of the things i did for the research for my books and it was you know now with google i can get a lot of stuff that i need to know but but back then i had to i had to see it personally yeah, it's probably Tim. To be honest with you, it's probably a good job that Google wasn't around at that time. It probably is. You'd have started searching all that stuff. You would have been red flagged. You'd have had the FBI and CIA you, <laughs> turning up at the house. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! I have to say, some of the things that we end up do, researching via Google and search engines um, would probably scare a lot of people. <laughs> it would. I, I can tell you, it would. In fact, I, I was I was trying to do some research for one of my for one of my author clients the other day, and um, and I I'm sat opposite my husband, and I, you know, I, I tend to use the speech thing quite a lot, so I, I clicked on Google, and I went garroting, and my husband went, and he just looked at me really worried. I said, "You're safe, don't worry, for now." <laughs> <laughs> Like garroting, who's being garroted? I'm like, it's for a book, darling. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, it cracks me up. Uh, we've got some more comments. Um, we've got my mum who's joined us. Hello, mum. She's uh in the UK. Hello, darling. I hope you're good. Um, Elizabeth says, So, Tim, what did you buy from the guy in Latvia? <laughs> That is the question. <laughs> I just took away a good story. I bought nothing from the guy in Latvia. And I don't remember his name. And I don't remember the guy's name from the Department of Energy either. So if anybody comes knocking on my door, I have nothing to say. <laughs> I know nothing. I know I nothing. Know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, now, Edward's got a comment. He says, been there, done that. Suitcase atomic bombs a decade ago. Mm. I tell you, it's scary, isn't it? And I tell you, what's even more scary is how technology has moved on so much since that era. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, there's now sort of naval ships that can take out so many, what well, triple the amount of targets they used to be able to. Um, it's quite amazing, and that must be amazing for you to see technology, especially weaponry and everything else coming along so so much since since that time um do you still keep up with uh, with 
you know, how things are changing and does it give you more inspiration for more books? Um, I can't say it's given me more inspiration for, for more books, but I do use technology now in my novels in terms of communication of how characters receive information, uh, SMSing, this kind of thing, which is uh, very, um, very popular, very, I mean, very common. I mean, for instance, I, uh, I'm currently working on a book uh, called The Syrian Pieta. It's about a young gay Syrian refugee uh, struggling to survive in Istanbul and is actually a smuggler getting refugees from Turkey to Greece. And in from that side of the of the channel that separates those two countries, the smugglers are seen as basically like the Underground Railroad used to be in America of helping smuggle people get to a safe place. Yeah. So it was a fairly open, uh, not entirely open, but a fairly open thing for that to be going on. And um, what surprised a lot of us, I think, when we were on the other side of the channel receiving the refugees was how many had cell phones and were messaging each other back and forth, letting family know they got there safely, uh, telling them, you know, trust this guy, don't trust this person. Uh, so I, I use technology as a way for communication more than more than letting it drive the books at all. And I also use sometimes um, uh, just the news. I mean, you know, televisions are on a lot of places and in the book I'm currently working on, um, information, important information gets conveyed uh, through the news that otherwise could not have been conveyed at all. So um, it's, it's just interesting how that works. But uh, technology development itself, I'm not doing... Uh, you know, science fiction or fantasy stuff or anything like that. So it's just real life stuff, what people really use, what's in their hands. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, I've got to tell our viewers because you have very, very kindly offered to do a paperwork giveaway for our viewers. So thank you very, very much for that. Um, now, viewers, if you would like to win a copy of Far on the Island, which is your most recent novel, right. um, all you have to do is share this interview and tag me um, just so I can see your entry. So you can share it via Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, wherever I am, you can share it and tag me and you will get your entry into the giveaway. Um, don't forget, you can share Tim's interview and the Witty Writer Show episode um, as many times as you want, because the more times you share, the more entries you get. So you can share on your personal pages book clubs, uh, book groups, wherever you are. So the more shares, the more entries you get, and you will win a fantastic copy of Fire on the Island. And can we just have another look at the cover, please, Tim? Sure, and it's a hardback. There is no paperback, so that's... Oh, this look at that. That is gorgeous. It is awesome, Fire on the Island. And you need to read the reviews because they're absolutely brilliant. My, my publicist was very clever and added... A romantic thriller to this because it is thrillerish, but there are also about three love affairs that are going on at the same time, and it's a, it's a, it's a delightful book. Um, it's been uh, compared a little bit to the charm of Zorba the Greek, is what 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 one reviewer has said. So, um, it's because I love Greece so much that it is what it, it is. It is a delightful book. It's just it's full of all the crazy Greek characters you can imagine. <laughs> it has, and do you know what? It, it, it literally is for everybody. And everybody can read this book because it's so well written. It's it's just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful Thank story. You. So, but as I said, viewers, if you once you read it, 
make sure you leave Tim a review because they mean a lot, more than you realise. Now, Tim, out of all the novels that you've written so far, which one just took your heart and soul and, and just meant the most to you? Because I think as an author, there's always one book that you have a special connection with. Well, unfortunately, it's one of the books that's not exactly available right now, which is Cooper's Promise, which just uh, it, it's because it's a story of human trafficking and there's so much in it that is um, it's, it takes place in a fictitious place. And I and I, I brought in elements to it that are so important in my life or happened to me. And this character, this 24 year old army deserter from the war in Iraq who's ended up in Africa and can't go home because he's going to be thrown in jail and he's claustrophobic. Well, I'm claustrophobic and I ended up sort of uh, adrift in West Africa for a short while. And um, I ended up basically hanging out in the bar where he hangs out. And uh, it's, uh, it, it's just a very honest story about the whole situation that I came to understand and realize years later understood that this is probably a situation of trafficking. I didn't know, I did not know that at the time. But the book that really touches me as well is Fire on the Island because it's really my homage to Greece. Yeah. It's my love affair to Greece. It's it's my love letter to Greece, I should say. Because it really does capture the place and it really captures uh just the beauty and the and the, and the, and the people. I mean, I think people who recognize themselves in the book um, they they hear their voices and they hear their humor and they see that I'm, i i really love them very much and i think i think anybody who reads the book will see that this is a, my, my love for greece yeah yeah I, I can understand it i would love to spend more time in greece as i said the people were just fantastic and the place was beautiful i mean just everywhere you look it's just yeah. stunning. everything it was just absolutely amazing so and what does your partner think about all the achievements you've done and 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 how far you've come along? I mean, it's amazing. Well, he's very supportive. Uh, I, um, you know, writing is kind of a lonely enterprise. And so I basically sit with my door shut most of the day and sort of come out and make sure that everything's okay on the outside world every once in a while. Uh, he's, he's, a, he's a fine arts photographer. And so he also spends a lot of time on his own. So we each have our own little offices and, and we both do our creative stuff and then get together for dinner and, and do, you know, we, and we, you know, we do more than that, of course, but it's, he's very, very, very supportive of, of my decision to uh, stop working and become a full-time writer when I did. And I've never looked back and neither has he, it's been just a really, really great experience. It's a, we're a good partner. In fact, I should say that he has, created the cover image for all all of my novels wow that's fantastic so oh that is wonderful do you know i think it's lovely when when you've got somebody in your life who you can literally who understands your process and and gives you that space to be creative and and obviously you're doing that for each other but i think that's so super important is it because when you, you know, as I know, being a fellow author, once you get into that zone, <laughs> you just want to block everything out. You just leave me alone. <laughs> no, exactly. I'm not having dinner. No, you can't have a drink. I'm just, 
I'm, I'm in the zone. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's like being a squirrel and hibernating. <laughs> okay, I've got my supplies. I'm off. <laughs> so, so you're working on a novel right now? Yes. Fantastic. So can we have a little bit of a teaser about what's coming? Uh, I don't want to give too much away. It's a story, like I said, of a young gay Syrian refugee. Uh, the, the, his homosexuality is a big part of the book in a sense that uh, he watched his gay cousin get thrown off a rooftop by ISIS uh, in Raqqa, uh, Syria, which was a common practice. And he turned on his heels and walked from northern Syria all the way to Istanbul looking for safety. And um, he becomes a smuggler and develops a really good reputation um, for being honest and kind of fair and in a, in a world that's really not full of honest people and fair people. And so people trust him. Um, and because of that, uh, both the CIA and ISIS in the same 24-hour period approach him to do special missions, special operations that that play off of his particular specializations in this or link in the smuggling chain. So it's so what he's got he's come to Istanbul looking for the for safety and he's put into the most dangerous situation he could possibly ever even imagine he couldn't even have imagined it. Wow. So that's what that's what the story is. And it's so it's it's uh, dealing with kind of dealing with the refugee story, I, you know, the, the the Greek book has refugees in the background. They're they're part of why the, there's such a conflict in the village, but it's not really a story about any one refugee, or yeah. it's just in the background. But I wanted to write a story about the refugees because I've have, have met hundreds of thousands of them, literally, and uh, particularly Syrians as they came th through the village and. And we were passing out food and talking to them and getting on buses with them and everything. So that's what motivated me to start this book about the, a Syrian refugee. I, I just want to tell their story uh, yeah. fully from their, their point of view, not from uh, not from anybody else's point of view. And in fact, in this book, the story is only told from the main character's point of view. I don't jump between characters like I ha have in a couple of other books yeah. Yeah. Uh, where I go to, you know, this character, that character, this character. And, the different chapters. This this story is told entirely from one person's perspective, which is a huge challenge uh, in telling a story that way, not to be showing things, but to actually have it organically come through action and dialogue so you understand who this person really is um, and why he's responding. Yeah, and the journey that he goes through. Yeah, exactly, the journey, right. Yeah. Wow. Well, I hope you'll definitely come back on the show when it when it's uh, due for release. Because be <laughs> I also do. <laughs> um, but I think I mean it's so fantastic that you're writing this this amazing new novel because, you know, I as as a as a mum, you know, of four children, I cannot imagine having to flee everything that I know. For, for our own safety and go to the unknown. I mean, that's that must be the most terrifying journey for anybody. I mean, as a parent um, or, or a sibling, I mean, if you're in a family of any type, to have to take, you, you know, the ones you love into yeah. the unknown for their own safety it must be horrific. I can't it's even un imagine. It was unbelievable. The stories we heard and saw 
I mean, just what we, you know, just what it was. And it haunted me for a couple of years. I, I, I will have to say that uh, after the refugee huge wave happened and we went away for six months or nine months and went back, I could still see the refugees on the roadside. I mean, it was, and I'm not kind of a psyche kind of person or anything, but I, I really could see them. And it was like, it was just pressed in my brain. And you can imagine what was pressed in their brains as they, every day was like, do we survive this day and how? Um, yeah. Yeah. Being taken advantage of at, at certain points along the route and at other times finding people who were really trying to help them. Yeah. Well, thank goodness for people like you and your partner, because, you know, that that kindness and compassion goes a long way for, for people who are completely lost and in, in fear. Kindness and compassion is everything because it gives people hope. You know, it really, really does, doesn't it? It gives people yep. that little bit of hope that things are, are going to improve and, and get better. So that is absolutely amazing. That really, really is. Tim, you are so awesome. I think we need to see the cover of Fire on the Island just one more time. Okay. Just to I'm glad it. to do it. And I um, want to mention that my, my publisher is great. It's Skyhorse Publishing under the imprint of Arcade uh, CrimeWise. And um, it's just been a great experience working with, with the publisher. And and uh, they do a beautiful job on the cover. My, my partner did the image and Skyhorse yeah. cover. And off we went. It's been, it's been a lot of fun ever since. It is absolutely awesome. And don't forget, viewers, you have got a chance of winning that beautiful book. And all you have to do is share this interview on any platform that you want. And just make sure you tag me so I can see your entry. Tim, do you know what? I could literally talk to you for hours and hours. You are so amazing. And, and I love the fact that, you, you, you know, you've taken such a wealth of knowledge and experience from your time, you know, working in finance and, and dealing with all these countries and traveling and you're creating these amazing novels. Um, and, and, and it's just, you just blow my mind. You're a very, very talented man. <laughs> and I know he's so modest. Look, he's so modest. I'm the problem making you brush, but it, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show and I can't wait to have you back on when your new novel is is coming out um for those of you who are watching please go and check out all of Tim's links as I said the website Amazon Goodreads all Tim's links are available attached to this interview as I said we are streaming live on Facebook and YouTube so don't forget to like and subscribe so you get notified when we go live for the next witty writer show and um, and we actually have a Christmas special coming up Tim um, because we have Robert Gottlieb and your oh. agent Mark Gottlieb coming up for a Christmas special which I am so excited about um, because obviously as you know Mark and and Robert the chairman of Trident Media Group, they're both amazing literary agents, but from different eras of the publishing world. You know, obviously Robert came through the ranks. I mean, he literally worked his way up from the mailroom to, to the chairman of Trident Media Group. Um, and he went through all the old school technologies and the ways of doing things and then had to adapt. And he literally grabbed technology as it was coming through and then you've got Mark who came into the publishing world in the modern era 
um, with ebooks already being around. So the conversation between between Robert and Mark is going to be fascinating. I am so excited. Yeah, I'd like to say also about Mark that uh, he's impressive in how he has really uh, uh, I don't, evolved, or I'm not sure evolved isn't exactly the right word, but has taken on this new world of, of publishing uh, and what it's meant and how to be a, a, a very active agent in it. And I've been very impressed. I mean, he's, uh, you know, writing essays or small piece, pieces on different social media platforms, and he's really engaged in, in with with the new media uh, from a publisher's perspective or an agent's perspective, and I find that quite, quite appealing, quite useful. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, he's got his – both Robert and Mark have got their fingers on the pulse. They don't miss a trick. They don't miss anything. <laughs> I don't know, Robert, but I hope to meet him sometime. Oh, I, Honestly, he is just as amazing and fabulous okay. as Mark. So I hope you get to catch the, the, the upcoming Christmas show because it'll be brilliant. But good luck to you, Tim. Honestly, you. you're amazing. You really, really are. <laughs> I'm going to keep following you because I'm so fascinated. Your books are fabulous. I can't see, I can't wait to see what you, you do next in the next five years. It's going to be fabulous. But blessings to you and your partner. I'm so glad you had a a great Thanksgiving. I hope you will join us again in the future. I hope so too. If I'm invited, I'll be here. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Thank you to everybody thank who joined you. us. If Just we didn't everybody. get to your, if we didn't get to questions, if you've posted any and I've missed them, I do apologize. Um, but hopefully, if you don't mind, Tim, if you could just go through the comments, just in case we've missed any questions for you um, once we've uh, once we've finished, and um, and keep sharing. As I said, more shares, more entries you get. And please remind yourselves to click on the events and subscribe so you get to see our upcoming shows. You have been amazing, Tim. Thank you Thanks. so much, darling. I hope you and your partner have a wonderful Christmas. Thank you. And, uh, and everybody, bye for now. And make sure you join us for the next episode of the Witty Writers Show. Thanks, Thank everybody. You. Thank you, Tim.